0: Texas Longhorns have a lot to play for. A Big 12 title appearance, a chance at the college football playoff. TCU, they're desperate to try to get to a bowl game. And, of course, a win against UT always means something. Johnson Davis is with us. We're going to talk about this matchup. It's a crossover edition of Locked on Longhorns and Locked on Horn Frogs. It's coming up right now here on the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right. I'm Steven Simcox. You can find me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now at Simcox Steven. <laughs> uh, next to me is Jonathan Davis. He is at Johnzo Ball on Twitter as well. Uh, It's a crossover edition because we've got TCU and Texas matching up um, at Amon Carter Stadium in Fort Worth under the lights at 630. And, Johnson, I guess first off, you know, this has been an incredible season for the Horns uh, to this point. Um, You know, even with some adversity here and there, they've been able to continue to stack up wins. I know your expectations were pretty high coming into the season. Is there anything about this team that has surprised you or that you've been like, man, I didn't expect them to be this good in this area? What's kind of stood out as far as how these first eight or nine games have gone compared to what you thought they could be going into the season?
1: I think for the first time in so long, the actual production on the field matched those expectations, right? I think coming into the year, you know, you were just like, it's your last year in the Big 12. You know, they haven't won it since 2009, which is absolutely ridiculous. Like, that's our goal, right? If we can somehow be good enough to make the college football playoff, then that's perfect. But we want to win the Big 12 championship. And I think what surprised me is just the resilience of this team, the way that they've found ways to win. Right. We've heard like announcers and various analysts say, oh, in the past, this UT uh, or this Texas team, excuse me, would have lost to Houston. Right. And that game that, you know, came down to the wire or in the past, this Texas team would have found a way to lost to lose to Kansas State, where that game came down to, uh, you know, overtime with the backup quarterback and Malik Murphy. But they just find ways to win. Right. And they're only you know, loss, you you know, came in one of the biggest rivalries in the sport, you know, where Dylan Gabriel had his Heisman moment and, you know, scored a touchdown in 71 seconds. So I think that's just been the biggest surprise for me. You know, when you look at the college football landscape up until this point, you it's hard to argue that the best win in college football right now is not Texas going into Tuscaloosa in week two and beating, you know, the GOAT Nick Saban and and Alabama on the road. So uh, like I said, I think when you just look at this team overall through nine weeks, the biggest surprise to me is that, you know, for the first time in, you know, forever, they are really what we think Texas should be, you know, on a year in a year basis. But what I want to ask you is really the same question, because you're talking about a TCU team that's coming off of a national championship appearance, right? This was one of the t- last two teams standing last year, um, regardless of how the championship game played out. Now through nine weeks, we're looking at this team and they're four and five. So what is the feeling amongst TCU fans at this point, right? Coming all the way from the top of the mountain, it seems like to being one of the teams at the bottom of the Big 12.
0: Yeah, it's pretty bleak right now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you. Um, I'll be honest, Jonathan. Like I I've been wrong about this group really from the from the start of the season. Like I thought uh, you know, the over-under, our friends at FanDuel had it at seven and a half. And all offseason, I was like, you got you gotta smash the over here. Like they're gonna, they're gonna get eight wins. The schedule's favorable. Um, Obviously, they lost all the talent. But I just felt like this would be a group that came in with a chip on their shoulder. You know, on paper, it seemed like they filled in with the uh, transfer portal really well with some guys that could uh, take the place of the people you lost, like Quentin Johnson, who's obviously great, and Kendra Miller. And the list sort of goes on. Um, And they kind of got punched in the mouth by Colorado early. And, you know, they, they lost that football game. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of attention around that because Coach Prime and he kind of called his shot, and <laughs> got it done. Um, and then since then, it's just been really inconsistent. I, I think, you know, the thing that's that surprised me the most is obviously they're not as talented as last year. And, you know, I think with with Blue Blood programs, like you look at how they recruit year in and year out and they can kind of withstand like a, a senior class like TCU had that had eight guys drafted in the NFL draft last year um, because they have those four and five stars behind them. And I thought with what Sonny Dykes had done since he got on campus, they could kind of uh, reverse that trend, even though TCU is obviously not like a blue blood. They could be the the exception of like, okay, they can start to get some momentum and be year in and year out a really good football team. Uh, but it hasn't panned out this season. I think part of that's talent deficiency. But the biggest thing is that they just they make a lot of silly mistakes. You know, they were, they were so well coached last year. And they did all the little things well that you have to do to win. They didn't kill themselves with penalties. They won the turnover battle. Uh, They didn't make a lot of careless mistakes. And in this group, special teams have been an issue. Um, It seems like they're always, you know, setting themselves behind the sticks with holding penalties or procedure penalties are really preventable things. And so it's raised some questions for me about, like, where they are as under Sonny Dykes. I think he's a good coach, but something – there's some disconnect here that, that hasn't really worked, um, and, and I thought I thought they would come into the year with a chip on their shoulder because you get embarrassed by Georgia like that on the national stage, and I felt like okay, you you went really far, you did things that the program has never done, but also you had a reality check in that national title game where it was like okay, you still got a long way to go, uh, and that just has that hasn't been the mentality of this team, or they at least haven't been able to display that. Consistently. You know, they they haven't been the aggressive team that's kind of gone in there and imposed their will. So um they've had injuries as well. And I know Texas has also when you look at this quarterback situation, Jonathan, I was saying it earlier this week. I was like, I'm not sure it matters that much in this game who starts. And I'm not I'm not like I'm not uh saying anything about Quinn Ewers there and his play. I just mean they've been able to be effective with Murphy at quarterback, but what's the biggest difference between with the offense between when Quinn starts and when Malik starts and who do you expect to get the nod uh, on Saturday night?
1: Okay. So I think Quinn Ewers will play, right? We saw the the Instagram post, the cryptic Instagram post with the, with the song lyrics. I think uh, Anwar from orange blood said he's about 75%. I believe at this point, it's just pain tolerance. And um, you know, you asked your backup quarterback to go out there and win a couple of games. He did. Right. And this is still a team at this point that, uh, has big 12 championship hopes and you know more importantly college football playoff hopes so right. you know at this point I think if Quinn Ewers can go out there and throw the ball and be somewhat pain-free I don't think it'll be 100% pain-free and he can be effective Um, then I think he'll be out there so if I had to predict right now I have no inside information right but if I had to predict I think Quinn Ewers will be playing at quarterback I think when you look at the biggest difference because Malik Murphy is really talented and Quinn, you were just really talented. I think you can win games with Malik Murphy, as evidence the last two weeks. I think Malik Murphy at times can execute Steve Sarkeesian's offense at a high level. But he's a young quarterback and i think what you've seen the last couple of weeks is the experience gap right how much experience matters in a sport like college football especially at the quarterback position the hardest position in sports right going out there week in and week out getting that experience doing it over and over again and for malik murphy he hasn't had that right and so when he runs into some adversity when he is under pressure when he you know faces tough situations in games he kind of resorts to what he knows, right? And right now, that's not good football. And so the last two weeks, Texas has turned the ball over five times, right? That's not, you know, representative of a team that's competing for a championship or trying to compete for a championship. Last week, they were two for 15 on third downs. That's not something that you would expect with Quinn Ewers at the helm. So I think that Quinn Ewers just right now, is better at executing this offense more consistently, right? Continuing to take profits on more plays than Malik Murphy is right now. And the offense will execute at a higher level because of that experience with Quinn Ewers. And it's just the nuances of the quarterback position that Malik Murphy hasn't had the time to pick up on yet, right? When you talk about, you know, throwing the ball away, I saw a statistic that's crazy. Malik Murphy is the only quarterback in college football with 50 passing attempts and no throwaways, right? Because he's coming in as the backup trying to make yeah. every play. Where Quinn Ewers understands, okay, I can live to, you know, play another down and make that play. Um, You know, we saw this year Quinn Ewers is running the ball a lot more. Right. If there's nothing open down the field, I'm going to pick up a first down with my legs. Right. That's not something we're not seeing from Malik Murphy. And then Quinn Ewers taking the check down. Right. When Xavier Worthy or Adonai Mitchell are not open down the field where, like I said, Malik Murphy is trying to win the game on every play. So those are the biggest. Uh, you know, differences between Quinn and Malik Murphy right now. I think Quinn Ewers has had the experience. He knows how to play quarterback at a high level in college football, while Malik Murphy is still learning that literally in real time.
0: Any any chance that we see Arch? I mean, I guess if Quinn's healthy, probably not. But I know that's the question you've probably been asked a million times since uh, since Quinn went down.
1: Yeah, so I, I guess the the thinking has been all season that we were going to be up comfortably enough in a game to see Arch Manning, and I just don't think that's going to be the case, right? Especially right. if Quinn is healthy enough to play, then that would mean something would have to happen to Malik Murphy, and I think this TCU team is definitely going to show up on Saturday. So I don't expect to see Arch in this game or for the rest of the season because now they matter more than ever.
0: They sure do. Uh, we'll talk more about Texas and their playoff chances, and we'll break down this game and the matchup here in a moment. It's Locked on Horn Frogs. Lockdown Longhorns crossover edition here on the Lockdown Network. I do want to take a moment to talk about Jace Medical. Nobody wants to be in a tough situation where maybe you're without your medication or without first aid uh, materials. But Jace Medical can make sure that if disaster does hit or if something happens that leaves you in a tough situation, you can be prepared. Right now you can go online to jacemedical.com and you can actually receive a 12-month supply of your daily medication Use the promo code locked on at checkout for a discount as well. Um, again, if you take daily medication, see if Jace Medical has options for you. That's jacemedical.com. Promo code is locked on. You get a 12 month supply of uh, those meds potentially um, and have the peace of mind if you go to jacemedical.com and that locked on promo code will get you $20 off your purchase. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board certified physicians. You can get ongoing care from our physicians or, or any treatment related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. That's the uh, care that Jace Case gives you. Don't be caught unprepared. Everyone's being em- empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones if something unexpected happens. Jace handles everything from online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication, delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. Again, that is jacemedical.com. Use that promo code loft, locked on for $20 off your first order.
1: So, Stephen, we we talked about, you know, before the break, Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy, this Texas passing game. Uh, but I saw an interesting stat. Speaking of stats, right, that TCU, even, you know, in the midst of a disappointing four and five season, when you talk about conference play in the Big 12, they have the best passing offense and the best passing defense in the conference. So if TCU were to win this game on Saturday, will it be because of those two units, the passing offense and the passing defense? Yeah,
0: I think that'd be a big part of it. They made this transition to Josh Hoover a few weeks back, and uh, it was because Chandler Morris went down with an injury. Sonny Dyke said he expects Josh Hoover to start again on Saturday, even though Chandler is progressing quicker than they thought. And he didn't say he was 100%, but I think he's available, like in case of emergency. Uh, But Hoover's a little bit of a different quarterback. He's not very mobile, or he hasn't shown that ability to this point, I guess I should say. He really is more of a drop-back passer. Um, He comes from an offense at Rockwell Heath where he was throwing the ball all over the place. And so Kendall Bryles has really trusted him to throw the football. I think part of that too is, Jonathan, they've been behind in a lot of these games (laughs) and they just haven't been able to run the ball super effectively with Imani Bailey the last few weeks. So passing the ball gives them the best chance to move the ball down the field. I think the big key for TCU is going to be red zone efficiency. Um, They rank really low in the country in scoring once they get in between the 20s. Uh, and they've moved the ball pretty well at times and gotten plus territory, but they can't or they haven't been able to finish drives consistently with touchdowns. And Griffin Kell, their kicker, struggled until it's led to a lot of empty drives as well. Kind of when they get those opportunities. So if you're going to pull off an upset, you have to throw the ball well and then you have to score when you get in scoring territory. Um, I know that's been an issue for Texas too. I wanted to ask you though, because I mean, it seems like in these games, like they have comfortable leads sometimes is this more about settling for field goals and playing conservatively because of the style of the game, or is this actually kind of a glaring problem this year that they just haven't been able to cash in when they get down in the red zone?
1: No, I, I think it's a glaring weakness, right? Um, and I can't say it's because you're up comfortably in games and you're experimenting. I do think that sometimes, um, that can't happen i think it was in the byu game where sark just got down there and, and just said f it and ran the wildcat three straight times like the exact same play. so i do think sark sometimes just gets down there and it's like you know the, you know this might work but yeah. i think in what looks like right now you know potentially the biggest drive of your season in the oklahoma game you had four straight plays on the one yard line and couldn't get in the end zone mm-hmm. right and and We wouldn't be talking about half these college football playoff scenarios if you, you know, scored on that drive. So I think it's an actual problem. You talked about how much TCU has struggled, you know, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. TCU is over 50 percent on the season. That's not where you want to be, but that's higher than the Longhorns who aren't even cracking 50 percent in the red zone. And we're talking about one of the most explosive offenses in the country with some of the best talent in the country with Steve Sarkeesian, you know, running the damn thing. So, no, it's certainly a real problem. um, And it's something that's, you know, plagued them um in almost every game this season but they found a way to overcome it but you know like I said if we're talking about this being a championship level team whether it's on the conference level or you know being a playoff potentially national championship level team those type of teams aren't 120th and below <laughs> in the nation in red zone scoring efficiency so um you know I believe at this point when you're nine ten games into the season you are who you are but you know hopefully that's something that you know, they can get better at, you know, starting this week against TCU. And I think it's definitely going to be, you know, a key to victory, you know, playing on the road. But, you know, speaking of playing on the road, I want to ask you because, you know, we know that Texas, obviously, um, when you think the state of Texas, you think the University of Texas and they're going to be playing on the road and in front of a crowd that, you know, may feel like TCU doesn't have much to play for for the remainder of the season. So how do you expect the environment to be on Saturday? Do you think it's going to be Uh, you know, a tough road environment for the Longhorns with a lot of purple and, you know, a lot of crazy fans, you know, uh, making it tough for them? Or do you think it's going to be kind of a neutral crowd?
0: I think it'll be a great environment as long as the team allows it to be. So (laughs) what I mean by that is if this is a competitive game, it's a close game, I feel like people are going to come in juiced up. Um, This has been a matchup where, I mean, it's a very different Texas team, but TCU has had success, you know, over the last decade or so. And TCU fans have enjoyed that a lot. I think Uh, they want to go out, you know, who knows if and when they'll play again. So this is sort of the last ride, which I know Texas has experienced this now countless times throughout the season (laughs) as they'll be moving on to the SEC. Uh, But, yeah, I expect it to be a rowdy crowd. Um, I'm trying to think back. I think the only night game TCU has had at home, well, West Virginia was one and then Nickel State. So, you know, not exactly marquee opponents. West Virginia. Has um, turned out to be you know, a much better team than I think people thought when they came in like four games in the season. Uh, but, yeah, this like Texas fans like to joke about it. I'll be honest about it. You can call it a Super Bowl or whatever. It means something to beat Texas. It always has. What You know, whether they're really good or they don't live up to expectations, this year obviously they're a solid football team. Um, I, I think the players are going to be ready. I think the crowd's going to be ready. But, you know, the key is like TCU is not the type of place where we're going to be yelling and screaming if we're down by 20 points. I'll just be real about yeah. it. So if, it, if it's a good football game, if they're in it, if they have a chance to go pull out the subset, I think it's going to be a great environment. Um, and so I know Texas has started out, you know, well in games a lot this year. I think that'll be a huge key for them if they can kind of take the crowd out of it. Jonathan, let's talk about the O-line and D-line for a minute because I've I know they've put a lot of investment into this with NIL money and trying to, like, build this team from the inside out. Um, it seems like it's clicked this year. What has been kind of the key into getting these guys up to speed up front? I know like last season, that was a physical football game between these two teams, but it feels like we're, we're kind of seeing the full maturation of the vision. They'd sort of cast when, when Sark got there about being a really nasty team and physical team on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, I think that's really been the key to this football team, and I think that's why you've been able to, you know, go into Tuscaloosa in Week Two and win. I think that's why you've been able to survive some of these tougher games. You know that you may have lost in the past is because week in and week out, Texas has a chance in every game to win the line of scrimmage, and they've pretty much done that out in every game outside of you know the Red River Shootout against Oklahoma. When you look at the offensive line, I think it's been a talent thing, right? You know, um, bringing in all of those offensive linemen, they've really Uh, you know emphasize the big humans that 2022 class being one of the most talented offensive line classes ever you know to be brought in by any school let alone the University of Texas and I think you're seeing the product of that two years later you know the development the chemistry bringing back all five offensive line starters from last year has really benefited right we thought that this running game would take a step back and Jonathan Brooks is putting up B. John Robinson numbers right (laughs) a big reason for that is the offensive line and then you can't talk enough about how the defensive line has produced specifically the two interior defensive linemen with Tavandre Sweat and Byron Murphy. You know, I think I was uh, listening to Joel Clatt on the Hurt, and he said Tavandre Sweat and Byron Murphy are playing like the two best interior linemen in the country, not only the conference, right? And that's gone a long way in terms of dominating at the line of scrimmage. This has been one of the best run defenses in the country. So they've made, you know, opposing offenses have to play one handed, you know, and, uh, you know, try to pass against them to win. And you know, that hasn't, you know, teams haven't been able to do that. And I think on the edge, they've gotten good pressure as well. So, you know, we could talk all about, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, all of the the talent on the outside and, and all of that. But really, this has been a team week in and week out that's been able to dominate in the trenches. And that's why they're a serious national championship contender this late in the season, because the offensive line has been able to, you know, open up holes for the run game and then be able to hold their own in the passing game. And the defensive line specifically in the run game, but just kind of overall has been dominant.
0: Yeah, they've been really good. Um, is Xavier Worthy, I, I know, like, again, another guy with high expectations. And honestly, like last year, he was a good player. It just seemed like he and Quinn couldn't always link up exactly how they wanted to. Um, and and Adnan Mitchell has made a huge difference, too. But has uh, have they sort of figured things out? What have you seen in, in Xavier's growth this year? Uh, from last year to this year and just him becoming a more complete wide receiver?
1: Well, I think it's just a maturity. You know, I think one, when you're dealing with a broken hand, you know, and you know, nobody knows about it, we're obviously going to expect a lot more than you can produce. Um, but, you know, like I said, I think it's just a, a maturity thing. He talked about in the off season at uh, big 12 media days, being a leader, right. You know, being better spiritually, emotionally, physically, uh, for this football team. And I think we're seeing that, you know, maybe the the numbers aren't what we're expecting. Right. And you've had, you know, once again, some inconsistency at quarterback. You know, having to you know go to your backup, and you brought in another number one wide receiver and Adonai Mitchell. So obviously, that's taken some you know opportunity away from him. But I think we've just seen a more focused, you know, Xavier Worthy. I think we've seen more effort from Xavier Worthy. And I think we see um, an Xavier Worthy that is enjoying playing football and he's enjoying playing for the university of Texas. And he's showing pride playing for the university of Texas. And I think when he's doing all four of those things, you're seeing the best version of him. So he's been a really special football player for this football team, but I think he's shown more maturity and that's allowed him to be a more special football player for this football team.
0: We'll have keys to the game and predictions next. Uh, and we'll kind of wrap things up here on Locked on Horn Frogs, Locked on Longhorns uh, crossover edition. If you're looking to make some money this weekend, Prize Picks is the place to go. PrizePicks.com slash on College. And they have a cool deal going on right now because the NBA is in full swing as well as the NFL. So you can actually do uh, some combination picks in their specials league. It's a league created specifically for combo projections. So you can pick two players, for example, like LeBron James and Travis Kelsey. Maybe you want to go 10 and a half combo of three pointers made plus receptions. If you think you'll hit the over there, you can go over. Prize Picks is really easy. You just pick a couple of players. You go over, under on some of their stat projections. Like, do you think Steph Curry is going to go for more than 29 points on a given night? Or will Anthony Davis have more than two blocks? Um, There's all kinds of possibilities on prize picks. You can test your skills. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps, and it's very simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selections of players and stat types are what makes Picks the number one daily fantasy app. Uh, go to prizepickscom slash college and use that code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, prizepix.com slash college Put $20 down, you'll get $20 matched uh, by PrizePix. prizepix.com, locked on college Go there today. Try to make some money. NBA, NFL, there's all kinds of possibilities. They are the best place to go for daily fantasy games.
1: So Steven, I feel like this is the first year that, you know, not even just Texas fans, but fans of college football could say with some level of confidence, okay, Steve Sarkeesian is a good football coach, right? He can go to a school, he can recruit, he can put a good product on the field. He knows how to figure it out. Right. When we look at Sonny Dykes last year was kind of crazy. Nobody expected it. And there was this narrative. Okay. That maybe it's, you know, Gary Patterson's players, maybe it's lightning in a bottle. Let's see if he can do it in gear two. And thus far, those people that were spoiling those narratives are, you know, looking like they maybe had some truth to it, right? When you look at the Sonny Dykes experience at TCU, the first twelve games, twelve and zero, can't get any better than that. The last twelve games, five and seven. So, right. specifically in Fort Worth and amongst the fan base, what is the temperature on Sonny Dykes right now?
0: I mean, I think there's some questions that are being asked. I feel like the criticism is pretty fair. You know, one thing I'll say about Sonny, the, the Gary Patterson narrative is interesting. I understand where people are coming from with it. I will say, I mean, yeah, those were Gary's players. Gary also got fired because he couldn't win with those players. And <laughs> and Sonny and his staff found a way to come in and win games. I think what we're seeing now is uh, towards the end of Gary's tenure, especially those 2021 and 2022 classes, they missed on a lot of guys. Had a lot of players transfer out uh, from a rankings perspective, just from a, a numbers perspective, it wasn't living up to the hype. And, I feel like they thought they could make up for that in the transfer portal. This season hasn't been the case. Um, And I'll also say, like, you know, going and getting Kendall Bryles from Arkansas, that was a risky hire. It was a controversial hire, given Kendall's background and just his time at Baylor and what happened there. Um, And it hasn't worked, Jonathan. I mean, like, the offense has just not been as good as they were last season. There's a lot of new faces. But at the end of the day, I think Sonny's a good coach. I mean, you look at his resume – like, yeah, the Cal, the Cal experience wasn't great, but he also had that team at eight and four. And then the next year they went five and seven and he he left or got, you know, a kind of mutual parting ways. At SMU, uh, he won 10 games. He won eight, nine games consistently. At LaTeX, he did the same thing. I think he's a good football coach, but this has been a tough year. And I don't know. I, I'm wondering again if this offseason, they didn't really understand all the work they had to put in to stay at that level. Like they they obviously did a good job of getting a group of guys that were really experienced to a place where they could play well. Um, but they haven't been able to maintain that. And then the final thing I'll say is I think even Sonny was surprised at how good they were last year. Um, and I think if I think if you got the Michigan this is not a knock against DCU. They went out the one they went out and won the game. I think if you got the Michigan coaching staff in a quiet moment, I don't think they thought TCU could hang with them on the field that night in the college football playoff, and I feel like it showed up in that football game. Like, they weren't prepared. They weren't ready, uh, and Georgia very much was, and they won that game. But bottom line is, I mean, they they reached heights that I didn't think they could, and the follow-up act hasn't worked. But I, I still think Sonny is a good coach, and um, I believe in him. He might have to make some tough decisions this offseason, though. I mean, Joe Gillespie's in his second year. I don't really feel like the defense has gotten a lot better, um, and then Kendall Bryles, I mean, do you give him like conventional wisdom would say, well, you got to give a coach more than one season to get it done. But I just feel like kind of the circus that came along with that hire uh, has has made it really tough for him to to kind of endure it. But I would expect to see some changes on the staff, and you know the the bad thing about it, whether they finish five and seven or six and six, if you have another, if you have one more bad year next year then I feel like there's some louder voices saying, "Okay, you know, where do we go from here? And I wouldn't have I definitely wouldn't have predicted that before the season. Um, Jonathan, if Texas is going to keep on this role, what are what are some of your keys to the game in this matchup against TCU?
1: Yeah, well, you definitely have to not turn the ball over. Like I said, five turnovers over the last two weeks, you've been able to escape that with the win, you know, with two wins, um, I should say. So you're playing with fire, right? You don't want to do that for the third week in a row against TCU. Um, you were able to beat Kansas State last week going two for 15 on third down, which is low-key unheard of. And it's crazy. You still were able to score 33 points. You don't want to play with fire in that manner, um, you know, this weekend. And I think what, you know, allows me to have so much confidence in this Texas team moving forward is, like I said, we can talk about everything on the outside. But this team can win in the bread and butter fashion, right? They can run the yeah. ball and they can stop the run at a high level. So I think that has to be the key for Saturday, regardless if it's Malik Murphy making his third start or it's Quinn Ewers coming back after being hurt for a few weeks, run the ball, uh, you know, stop the run, and then try to make some explosive plays on the outside. That's going to be the key for Texas to hopefully win and cover this weekend against TCU.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the Frogs, one thing you mentioned earlier that I think is is really true, um, if there is one advantage for TCU and Murphy starting, it's that he has given the ball away a few times, and Quinn's done such a good job of protecting the football. But regardless who's at quarterback, you're going to have to find a way to force some turnovers, get some hidden points, whether that's, you know, your are uh, on special teams or giving your offense a short field. That was what got K-State back in the game last week, right? You know, mm-hmm. Texas was kind of cruising along, and then all of a sudden K-State is able to capitalize on some opportunities, and you got a tight ball game. Um, and then running the ball is going to be important. We'll see if they can get Amani Bailey going, uh, and the defense is going to have to find a way to put pressure on um whichever quarterback is back there. I think we both kind of expect that Quinn is going to get the start. You sort of gave your prediction, but one more time, Jonathan, who who you got and you know, what do you, how do you think it plays out Saturday night?
1: Yeah. So I got uh, Texas winning. They've scored 30 points in every game uh, this season. So I think that continues and outside of Oklahoma they or I guess Kansas state just scored 30, but that was kind of in overtime, <laughs> but uh, they have not pretty much have not allowed any other opponent to get to 30. So, Um, Like I said, you know I got confidence in this team because they can run the ball and can stop the run. I think Quinn coming back that gives the team some juice. So I'm gonna say they win this game 38 to 21. I think Texas wins and Texas covers this weekend. Even though I've been horrible on those predictions on the lockdown (laughs) crossovers.
0: Yeah, I um, I think it's gonna be a good football game. I feel like TCU comes out with a lot of energy. I think the crowd'll be into it. But ultimately, I just I I feel like you're right. I think this Texas team is built the right way and the the style of football they play. Uh, it travels. I, I described them earlier this week when I was looking at scores as sort of like a boa constrictor because it's not like they're scoring 60 points every week, but it's you know, it's been pretty consistently like 38 to 13, 35 to 6, like 31 to <laughs> 12. Like they've just kind of the, the game might look like, oh, that was sort of a close football game, but you actually watch it and you're like, oh no, they, they really dominated the thing. Um, but I feel like TCU comes out with a lot of energy and effort and, and keeps it a, fo- a good football game for a while. I just, I don't know how their offensive line struggled. I don't know how they blocked Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. Um, The coaching staff's going to find a way to get around those guys. And that's, that's just something that I'm not sure you can scheme out scheme, right? If you're, if you're getting beat up front, especially in the interior, it's hard to win a football game. So I'll take Texas 34 to 24. um, And hopefully we're in for a good football game on Saturday night. Jonathan, if Frog fans want to check out your work, uh, where can they find you? and Where can they find Locked On Longhorn?
1: Yes, sir. You can find my personal Twitter, Johnzo Ball, like Lonzo Ball. You can find my uh, work Twitter, I guess, at Locked On Horns, <laughs> and you can find me at the Big 12 Championship game. Hopefully, when Texas wins their first since 2009, where can Longhorn fans find you, Stephen Simcox?
0: Yeah, I'm at Simcox Stephen on Twitter. The shows at Locked On TCU and subscribe to Locked On Horn Frogs on YouTube. We've had coverage all week long. Uh, should be a fun one on Saturday night. Check it out on ABC at 6:30. Check out Locked On Longhorns and Locked On Horn Frogs. And we'll be here regardless of what happens to cover it because it's your team and we do it every day.